Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Everyday Theology, where we don't tell you what to believe or how to think, but discuss why people believe what they do and why it matters. On this journey, we will speak with artists, curators, influencers, and pastors. I'm Aaron Ross. And I'm Ben Gomez. Well, today we have with us Dr. Amy Franklin. She is an uh, associate professor of biology, and she did her PhD in neuroscience. And so today we're excited to have a conversation on how we as Christians think about the mind, think about what what the mind even is, the brain, what it matters for us, and maybe even getting some topics on mental health and um, even th- topics of sin, which is always a fun one, right? So thanks so much for being with us, Amy, and yeah, we're glad pleasure. to have you here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe you can start off by telling us a little about yourself, about your research, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so um, I am, like you said, a professor in the College of Natural and Health Science. I uh, teach anatomy and physiology, um, and I also teach neuroscience and have uh, also taught for the psychology department, uh, biological psychiatry or psychology. So just everything. Yeah, so anything brain-related, I I get an opportunity. If there's an opportunity to teach, I I definitely volunteer for it. So I am actually um, an alum of Southeastern. So I graduated from Southeastern in uh, 2007. And then went to the University of Alabama at Birmingham uh, in the Integrative Biomedical Sciences PhD program, where I chose to study neuroscience um, and got my PhD looking at uh, learning and memory and then disorders, learning and memory disorders in um, forms of autism and and also uh, mental disorders like Alzheimer's disease, neurological disorders. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's... Super important. I mean, I had a great grandfather had autism. It was a terrible thing to, yeah, yeah to see. If you want the the actual name, which uh, of my dissertation, which most people don't, it's. I mean, just uh, in case someone wants yeah, to, like, do some li- light reading yeah, it's a yeah, yeah, a little light Tuesday reading. Night, I would love know? for someone to read my dissertation. <laughs> I know my committee all? did, but um, elucidating the role of GSK three in fragile X syndrome. So that is wonderful. Why, yeah. I don't have a clue. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. I, d- I do, That's good. Uh, yeah. but I have a, a clue, well, but, but one no one does. else does. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ben's over here not saying anything. Yeah, Ben is checked out. Yeah. Come on, Ben. He's playing a video game. I'm just learning. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I'm like the listener, the average listener, just listening to two PhD people just go at it. <laughs> oh, a nice yet. verbal tennis match. And yes. so I'm good. Yes. Um, so, uh, maybe help us out a little bit. Cause I think that when we have the topic of the brain, like, it's like, we all have one, right. Yes, but we don't yeah. necessarily all think about, you know, what the brain is and then what it, why it matters. Like why, yeah. why thinking about how our brain functions actually affects us both as our people, as people, yeah. but also as Christians. Yeah. So I actually, um, 
decided to do my PhD in neuroscience because uh, I had the opportunity, like I said, I ended a, I entered at integrative biomedical sciences program. So it could have been any body system. I could have studied cancer. I could have studied liver. Um, after my first year, I narrowed it down to neuroscience because what was so fascinating to me is pretty much all the other organ systems in the body and the rest of the body we have figured out. We know how it works normally. Yeah. Um, so we just have to figure out how to fix it when it's broken. But the brain is incredible because we actually have very little understanding of how it actually works. And we're trying to figure out how to fix it at the same time we're trying to figure out how it works in the first place. Yeah. So every other organ system, and, and um, some neuroscientists put it this way, every other organ system is like a puzzle that you're having to put together and all the pieces are flipped over and you've got all the pieces. But when you're studying the brain, you're trying to put this puzzle together and like 90% of the puzzle pieces are not even flipped over on the right side up. Mm, and you might not yeah. even have all the pieces there. And yet we're still trying to put this puzzle together. So it's, it was very exciting to study neuroscience because uh, no matter what you discovered, it was something new and important and relevant. Um, but also it's challenging because, again, we know so little about how it works and functions normally. And, and I know when you take neuroscience courses and when you when you hear um, maybe neuroscientists talk or go hear a talk on the brain, we it sounds like we know a lot. But but really, admittedly, uh, it's, it's such a small percentage of we can't figure out you know, how to implant memories into people, uh, no matter what, you know, Jason Bourne tells us say, and so that in, sort of thing. Inception yeah. isn't real. Inception, right? uh, you know, as far in, I, I have not seen evidence of that being real. <laughs> I, I don't want to say a hard no, but probably not. Okay. No. Thank you for not smashing all of my dreams <laughs> yes, today. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so, so maybe explain that a little bit to us in terms of, cause I, it's, it's, I think it's sometimes hard for people to recognize, like for instance, I'll go to a, a theology conference and for the most part, I can sit there and go, oh yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with what they're talking about. It might be a little bit different. It might be right. odd or strange ways of thinking about it, but you know, it's, it's never anything like, like earth shattering for the most part, even though we'll have some kind of important discussions and how it works. But how does it look like in terms of like talking about the brain? Like you're saying, like most of it, we don't even understand. Yeah. yeah. And, and from a Christian perspective, what most Christians know about the brain or the mind is that we're supposed to renew it, but that's really, you know, yeah. scripture tells us to renew our mind. And, and so, uh, I, I don't know that, um, Christians give that much thought to the physiological underpinnings of that. And what I mean by that is when we talk about mind, when we talk about thoughts, when we talk about hold, taking your thoughts captive and, and those sort of things, these are not abstract things. Now you can't, just like you can't see your heart beating, um, it is still, there's a physiological process happening to yeah. make your heart beat. There are uh, cardiac muscle cells contracting. And I think everyone appreciates that. I think everyone understands that there's like an electrical current going through your heart that's causing it to, to beat in a certain way. And, and we accept that. But for the brain, the idea of thoughts and emotions and, and the mind, um, it's hard to kind of wrap our minds around the fact that those are also physiological processes that are happening, just like molecules have to react in order for the heart to beat. Molecules have to react for you to think every single thought that you think, every emotion you feel, every, every thought that you think, every idea that you have is the result of certain synapses firing in a certain pattern, releasing a certain amount of neurotransmitter that's going to act on certain receptors, yeah. um, that it is an actual physiological process. So that can feel daunting, I think, to think about for a lot of people. Um, 
but I, it is, to me, it's exciting. And, um, yeah. yeah. And I think it's important that we do, uh, try to understand that, that these thoughts in our mind and our emotions are not just, um, abstract ideas. Yeah. They're, they're physiological processes or the result of physiological processes. Fascinating uh, what you just shared. Uh, uh, What comes to mind is, um, you know, it's been in the news recently of pastors, leaders, um, obviously in corporate America, it happens just as often in the church. I think we just get shocked when it happens in the church of, you know, people dealing with anxiety, um, depression, um, obviously in the news, uh, a pastor in the Southern California um, took his life and who was a big advocate of mental illness. And so when you're saying that these transmitter and these synapses are firing away, can you help us as an ordinary listener like myself, yeah, yeah. Um, just kind of put that in layman's terms for yeah. a regular person will be able to have this happening, but somebody right. who has, you know, anxiety disorder, OCD, right. um, yeah. PTSD, what happens in the brain is that. And then, right, right. So, um, it's, and I know I keep comparing the, or I, I might keep comparing the brain to other organs in the body, but it's again, because people know about the heart, they know about the liver, the brain again is, is kind of a scary thing to think about, but, but when someone is, uh, healthy, they have a healthy heart, their heart beats, they have great cardiac output, they're not having heart attacks, they don't even worry about their heart. They're not thinking about checking their heart rate all the time, they're not thinking about checking their blood pressure all the time, they just have a healthy heart. Well, there is a healthy brain and then there are unhealthy brains as well. But growing up in the church, um, my dad is a minister and so I've I've grown up my whole life in, in the church and uh, the opinions that I have um that I have been exposed to and and not by my father, but by other people in the church, um, is that the brain and, uh, uh, illnesses affecting the brain and unhealthy brains are not, um, sicknesses and illnesses. Like you would think about, uh, coronary artery disease with the heart, that it's a sin issue. It's a, you need Mm -hmm. to pray harder. You need to, it's a Mm -hmm. spiritual attack. It's a, um, it's, you're, you're just, you just need to think happy thoughts. And, and I feel like the, the church, um, or, or maybe, uh, Christians kind of as a, as a whole, if you were to put group us all into one category and then, and then slap an opinion on us, I think historically it has been, um, mental illness is a you problem and a sin problem. And you just got to figure it out and you just got to pray harder and pray through it. Um, but, but what is missing in that is that it actually is a sickness, mental illness, the ones you mentioned, OCD, depression, anxiety, um, there are just like when a heart attack happens in the heart and, and things go wrong and there are ionic imbalances that cause the heart to fire at different patterns and cause arrhythmias. You literally have those, those same or similar ionic imbalances, neurotransmitter imbalances in these conditions in the brain. So it's, it's not a sin issue. It's not a, you wouldn't tell someone who's had, uh, five heart attacks or two heart attacks to stop taking baby aspirin in the morning and just pray harder. Um, you wouldn't yeah. tell them to stop taking their blood pressure medication and just pray harder. Um, but that's how we approach, uh, oftentimes thoughts and, and depression. And I actually had a bit of a crisis of faith when I went to graduate school because I had grown up thinking, uh, and hearing all the time, you know, people would be going through a hard time in church and they would say, I'm just really depressed. I'm, I'm, 
I'm undergoing a spiritual attack and, and I'm just really depressed and I can't get out of it. You guys pray for me. I'm, I feel like I'm being attacked spiritually. And so then I, I went to grad school and I started learning the intricacies and I'll spare you the details, but the intricacies of how, oh, please don't. how the synapses, how the synapses <laughs> fire and how literally every thought and every emotion and, and you can cause a, a rodent, you can put it through a protocol and, and put a rat and a mouse and, and it can show the symptoms of depression. And then we can trace that in their brains to neurotransmitter release to action potential firing. And so then I, I had this moment and I, and I actually sought counsel from, from several ministers that I knew. And I thought as a Christian, I think, I think I'm supposed to believe that the enemy cannot cohabitate where, where God lives, where light Mm -hmm. lives. But we oftentimes blame mental illness on Satan so are you saying that Satan has control over my synapses when I feel depressed? And and I, I think that, so I had this moment yeah. of like, do spiritual attacks even happen? And what does that even mean? What does that, what do those words mean? And, and, uh, I, so I, I still kind of working through that. Like when uh, I do believe in spiritual attacks, I, I, I do believe in, in spiritual warfare, but I don't, I think we attribute a lot of mental illness and things that we can't explain like a heart attack to attacks of the enemy when really they're actual physiological sickness. Um, just like you wouldn't tell someone with cancer just to pray harder and it's a spiritual attack. You, you should not tell someone who's depressed to stop taking their medication and just pray harder. Which, which I think, I mean, I have my own experience, right. With, uh, plane anxiety. Like I don't like plan and I've flown a lot of different places, sometimes on planes, 12, 13, 14 hours. And I'll hate every moment of that plane ride. It's just, you know, oh gosh, like I have to play certain movies to distract me. Like I can't even just like sit there and be okay with it. What uh, kind of movies? I, 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 movies, honestly, that I've seen a thousand times. Like yeah, something, just to something get you kind of like, more funny, yeah. like yeah, funny more movies. funny, yeah. funny. Just yeah. try to like kind of forget that I'm on a plane. And I would always be told, you, I just need to pray. Yeah. Like if you just pray enough, yeah. that'll go away. That peace that passes like, all understanding. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. Say yeah. I have, right? Every, yeah. every time I get on a plane, I get and saved. I confess too. Like I get, yeah. I get re-saved every plane ride. Yeah. And, yeah. and so are the pilots in my mind. I'm saving yes. them by yes. my prayer to make sure everything's okay. Uh, and it wasn't until I think I said, you know, I, I want to find out what's going on. And I went and sought help in terms of kind of medicine and saying, what can I do? Um, and of course, when I went to do that, they're like, oh no, you've, you've definitely got this going on and this going on and this, this will help you. Right. And like, they gave me medicine to help me with the plane rides. And now I can get on a plane and be like, oh, okay. And this is nothing. I don't really mind it. I mean, every once in a while I still get that little twinge of like, oh boy. Um, but it's, it's interesting because I think as Christians, we, we want just that we want to be able to explain it through spirituality sometimes when maybe even like when it terms like a, a heart attack, it's just because we haven't been healthy. We haven't been eating right, right working right. out, haven't actually been doing the right. things that we probably should be doing anyways. Right. Uh, but what about that when that comes to the brain? Like, what do you yeah. think about, you know, taking care of ourselves in relation to the brain yeah. and medicine as well? No, that's great. So, so just like, uh, you need to take care of yourself, um, you know, physically exercise, eat right for your heart. Um, there is some responsibility for us to take care of our brain as well. Exercise is great for the brain. Actually, there's a region of the brain. Everybody thinks that uh, brain cells don't regenerate, um, and that's generally true, but there are a couple of um, 
two brain regions that do, and one of those is in the hippocampus. It's called the dentate gyrus, and it's a subregion of the hippocampus. If you've the heard whole of hippocampus. if you've heard of the hippocampus, my husband always tells the joke that's where hippos go to school. But um, the hippocampus, <laughs> if you've heard Love of the it. hippocampus, you've probably heard of it in uh, context with Alzheimer's disease. That's typically the region of the brain that deteriorates in uh, Alzheimer's disease. But uh, so there is a subregion of the hippocampus where new neurons are. are constantly being made. And, um, so you get all these new neurons and there is, um, tons of evidence, concrete evidence. And we're certain that, that physical exercise actually increases neurogenesis. And in patients who are depressed, um, they have decreased neurogenesis in this brain region and, uh, exercise will enhance that as, uh, as well, or, um, sometimes better than, than an SSRI will. That doesn't mean you shouldn't take SSRIs. There are other effects of SSRIs than, than just on neurogenesis. What's, uh, what's an SSRI? Sorry, sorry. Most, haven't... most people, uh, might have heard of an SSRI. It's a, um, popular, uh, antidepressant, popular uh, class of antidepressant drugs, um, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. All these big fancy words. Yeah. That so, are just, so let me, let me, let me back up a little bit. Uh, one of the, I, 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 no, we're not supposed to get into the nitty gritty, but just for those curious oh, no, listeners, go, ahead. go for it. Just for those curious listeners, um, serotonin is a neurotransmitter, and oftentimes in depression, there's less of it. Mm. So, um, one way to boost serotonin's effects is uh, we can't just like give serotonin to people, uh, but one way we can increase serotonin is to block its reuptake. So when it, once it's released, it will hang around a little bit longer. Ah, mm-hmm. So you kind of get, uh, uh, an effect of like you're having, uh, the right amount of neurotransmitter release. Yeah. Um, so, so most people, uh, I, am not a clinician. I need to make sure that I state that like multiple times. I'm not an MD. I'm a PhD. I don't diagnose. I don't treat. Yeah. Um, I, I do have a lot of experience with mental health issues so though, personally. My issues so, I need to talk about later. Yeah. Well oh. that, yeah, okay. that's, uh, I'll, I'll connect I'll you with else. the right person. Yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, a lot of people are on SSRIs to treat depression. Um, yeah. So, so backing up, exercise uh, um, is a great way of keeping the brain healthy, eating the right foods. Um, but just like there are patients that will have coronary artery disease, no matter what they eat, no matter how much they exercise, it is just genetically in their family. They can do all the right things, yet they will still be sick. So there are personal responsibilities when it comes to the brain, right? You can take care of yourself. You can exercise, you can reduce your risk for certain things, but, but there are, uh, conditions and there are genetic components and there are, um, uh, mental illnesses that are not, of your doing. And most of them are not of your own volition. They are, uh, genetic again, not most of them aren't single genetic causes. Like this gene gets mutated. You have depression. Uh, these are, these are multifactorial diseases. And that's another reason why it's probably so hard to, to accept for some people that they are physiological. It's like, okay, well tell me exactly what causes depression. Well, it's it's a bunch of different, yeah, it's a, it's a bunch of things that contribute to it. I, I think what's, hard too is, um, a lot of people have a hard time understanding how someone can go through these things, how someone can be experiencing depression, how, um, and I use this example or, or I was talking about this the other day. And if you have a, a quote unquote healthy brain, whatever, whatever we understand that to mean, um, it's impossible for you to think the same thoughts as someone with an unhealthy brain. So saying, Mm. saying something like, 
that's, that's when, so interesting. Yeah. When you were told as a, as, as a, as a kid, I, I think you said that in the podcast, just to pray more, just to, yeah. I don't understand. Just, just think happy thoughts, just, and, and maybe people didn't understand that, um, maybe you had circumstances happen to you that caused you to become depressed. And if those same circumstances happen to someone else, they might not become depressed. So it might be hard to understand. Yeah. And they, they might say, well, listen, I, if I failed that same exam, my significant other broke up with me too. And they cheated on me and, and I'm fine. And I'm, yeah. but that's because a healthy brain is filtering all of life's stressors through a healthy brain. Whereas an unhealthy brain or, or a sick brain is filtering all of life's stressors and events through, uh, through a different yeah. unhealthy brain. So, so it's impossible for me to understand what someone who's undergoing chemotherapy is going through. I, I've thrown up before, I've been sick before, but I'll never understand what it's like yeah. to, to have the uh, constant nausea, the vomiting, the, the loss of hair. Like I'll, I can see it, but I'll never really get it. Yeah. And it's the same with mental illness. I can, I can see someone having the effects of depression, but I, I can't ever really say, oh, I understand it because my my brain, thankfully, right now is not processing things that way. So I I think the church has a has a difficult time grasping maybe that concept of we don't understand why people are going through what people are going through and we want to tell them just to get over it, but we uh, we're never going to understand why they're feeling the way they're feeling. Because we have, we all have different brains. We all have different experiences. Yeah. We all have, have been exposed to different things and we all, uh, different stressors and different life events affect people different ways. And so as you explained all that, um, right. And, um, so eloquently put it, um, I guess the question for our listeners out there is, okay, let's say I did grow up like Aaron, right. And yeah. they oh, told no. me to pray more. <laughs> they told me to, you know, Sorry just to lean in. And they told me that it's a spirit and we can pray it out. Um, After hearing you, then how do we, how can I help? And so if my friend is, you know, if if my friend's depressed and my friend has anxiety, has any other types of phobia, um, OCD, what are things that I can help? Are there certain symptoms that I should be on the lookout for, but how can I help? not try to change them, not diagnose them. Obviously right. you're not a clinician right. neither am I. Um, but what can, what would you tell us? What can we do? Hey, listen, this is some advice that I would give any listeners right. out there. This is how you can help your friends that are dealing with any phobias or right. so any just other as of- I would not suggest, uh, someone who has a friend with cancer to suggest them how to treat their cancer. I, I would suggest that, I would not suggest that you tell your friends how to treat or how to handle their illness. And I would um, definitely encourage if you have friends, if you yourself, again, I am not a clinician, but if, if you have friends or you yourself are struggling to seek professional help. I, um, I truly believe that, that one way God heals is through physicians and through medicine. And when, when Jesus healed the blind man in the new Testament, he didn't say be healed and he was healed. He actually spit in the mud and made a salve and made like a medication and put on his eyes is kind of how I like to think of it. Um, so I do think God, a little mask mask. mask on the eyes. Um, I do think God uses medicine and that is one of his healing how he chooses to heal sometimes. And so I would recommend, um, always 
encouraging others to seek help from professionals. Um, you wouldn't try to give advice to a, um, to, to someone with a broken arm. Uh, if your friend breaks their arm, you're not going to go try to reset it right, or say, you right. know, well, let me just talk to you about that broken arm and, and how does that pain make you feel? You know, no, you're going to mm. send them to a professional. But but one thing, one tangible thing that that maybe you could do or or the church could do is to to destigmatize it, yeah. where it is okay to to get help and it's it's not a sign of weakness and it's not a sign of failure and it's not a sign of, oh, I just don't have it together and look at all these other people. They have it together and I'm, I'll be admitting defeat if I can't. And why can't I get this right? Yeah. To, to destigmatize that. And it's, you're not, you're not suffering from depression because of sin. You're not suffering from depression directly from sin. You're not suffering from depression because you've done something bad. Um, there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to be embarrassed of. You know, people in church all the time stand up and ask for prayer for their kid who broke their arm right. or their their friend who's going through a hard time, you know, going through a hard time with uh, finances or or something like that. But we we like to hide mental illness and oh don't don't talk about it, hush hush. And it's because of this stigma. So the one thing that we can do, who those of us who aren't clinicians and medical doctors and and, and that sort of thing, is we can talk about it when we have our own issues and, and again, destigmatize it and say, it's okay. It is a sickness and it is okay to get help and not just okay. It's encouraged. You know, you, you shouldn't, if you're sick, go see a doctor. Yeah. I think that's why I'm, I'm, I'm happy in so many ways just to kind of tell people about my own thing with the plane. Right. Like, I mean, for some, someone else, it's like, Oh, why are you afraid of planes? That's so stupid. Right. Like, and, and I've even heard that I'm like, Oh, you know, planes don't crash. Right. And I'm like, well, there's a couple news articles yeah, on that. Like, um, it's but the way to travel. Actually. I can, I, and I've, you know, I've convinced people like, Oh, I know the stats. I know that yeah. it's safer to get on a plane than to get in a car. And I'm like, but none of that. Yeah. But you, you cannot control just fixes the it, right. physiological response. Your the autonomic response that you're having to, to what's going on in your brain. So, so what happens when you're on a plane is, is your brain is actually sending signals to your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. And it's causing you to sweat and do all the, yeah. you can't, uh, if someone feels like they're about to pass out, you can't tell them, well, just don't just, <laughs> just like snap out of it. No, just, you, just you can't, you fine. can't yeah. control those things. You so, can't uh, think your way out of it. This brings up, especially dealing with theology in some way, this brings up a very interesting question, right? If there are things in our brains that we can't necessarily always control, whether healthy, unhealthy, how our brain responds is not like a thing that I can just say, you're going to respond in this way and do it. What do we do when we think about kind of how we process or, or how we respond maybe to certain things as it relates to sin. So for instance, someone who might get angry much easier than someone else who someone can take it and just go, Oh, you know, I can just let that roll off my back. And another person that just, they can't like they hold on. They, like you yeah. said that this whole like renewing of your minds going way yeah. back in the podcast now, but like yeah. this renewing of your minds were like, yeah, just, just don't be angry about that. That's all yeah. you have to do. And then you're fine. And at the same time, how do we not go to the other extreme, which is, hey, now that I know this, I'm just going to use that as an excuse that, yeah. hey, I'm just predisposed to be that way. Yeah. yeah. When maybe they're not. So good. Thank how you, you for the balance there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The these balance are, of. These are really good questions that I wish I had the answer to, but yeah. I, I don't. I actually talk about these in some of the courses that I teach that, um, you know, some of the things that. I think are universally within the church agreed upon as sinful. Um, there are some physiological explanations to it. 
you know, yeah. uh, anger, aggression. There, there can be different levels of testosterone in the brain and, and different levels of dopamine and serotonin. These are all neurotransmitters. Testosterone is a hormone, not a neurotransmitter. But, but we can actually, uh, there are studies looking at um, uh, people who commit aggressive crimes and, and looking at the neurotransmitter profile in their brains. And, and you can actually have correlations there. So, so where is that line of, yeah. of personal responsibility versus... I've got this predisposition to this and I don't, I don't have an, a good answer. I'm not a theologian. I'm not, I, I'm just, I, I ask that question to my students all the time and we discuss it and we talk about it, but I, I'm sorry. I would, like I said, I wish I had a good, if I had <laughs> yeah, the answer, I, mean, I, I would be on more podcasts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no I, but I think it's, I think it's almost good maybe in some sense to, to reflect on it, to not have an answer of some kind of line Yeah. of saying That's like, good. here is the line. So as long as you kind of like can control it to this point, yeah. you're okay. But if you can't, then it's, you know, what's going on in your brain. I yeah, think- it opens up Pandora's box a little bit when in, when I talk about it in my class because we actually talk about uh, if it is um, if if there are physiological changes going on in someone's brain that causes them to be a danger to society, um, then we start talking about the prison system and is the prison system a punishment system or a reformation system? So yeah. so mm. uh, should someone be quote unquote punished for doing something they are. Uh, kind of predisposed to do, um, they do have some personal choice in that, but, but shouldn't it be more rehabilitative and, and try to try to correct that or try to fix that through medication or counseling or so is, is prison and and maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I'm not, I typically don't share my opinions on the matter. We just talk about it, but is, uh, how should we punish people who do make these choices, but they kind of have, um, multiple strikes against them, uh, in trying to make good choices. So I think if anything, I'd hope that would make even that conversation or this kind of idea, make people a bit more, more ready to be, uh, gracious in their dealings with others and how they're being able to interact in the world based on maybe some things that their mind are pushing them towards. Right. So when, when I teach this class, uh, when I teach the psychology majors, a lot of them are going to be counselors. A lot of them are going to be pastors, um, and, and that sort of thing. And I tell them, you know, I, I have to teach them about action potentials and I have to teach them about the movement of sodium and potassium and chloride and all, all the these, ions, all the fancy yeah. things. And, but I always tell them when they, when they, when their eyes glaze over and, and I can tell they're like, I'm not a science major. I don't want to learn this. I, I always tell them if you remember nothing else from my class, nothing else. Like if, if you don't remember what an action potential is, if you, if you can't even remember what a neuron is and you just know where the brain is, just remember this when you're dealing with people, um, that, that it is not a matter of you are sinful, you are bad, just snap out of it. I I tell my students all the time, just remember how complex this is and, and always err on the side of compassion. Um, you don't understand what their brain is doing for them to make those choices. So always err on the side of compassion, not on the side of get out of the church. You're do this. You, uh, you know, if you're dealing with an alcoholic and and everybody wants to just say, we'll just quit drinking, just, just stop, just stop. Well, they have a physical dependency on alcohol. A person who's not an alcoholic can just stop. A yeah. person who is an alcoholic it's like can't it just, just stop. Sense. It doesn't they make can't. sense that you just right. can't. So right. Like, what, what? So, just, just so I it. tell tell the students like again, if you remember nothing, just have more compassion in in who you're counseling and who's in your church and and who's dealing with things because the the brain is complex and and things are happening and it's not always black and white. It's not always simple.
I think, I think especially being a Pentecostal, at least growing up as a Pentecostal, especially and hearing about this all the time, there is something like you mentioned before to talk about, um, spiritual warfare. And like, what does that mean when we talk about, you know, uh, this kind of spiritual reality that we also have, we don't just live in a physical reality, but there's also something else kind of uh, beyond or kind of inside of or within our physical reality. And, and I think that's something, maybe I'm just saying this for our listeners that yeah. we'll talk about later yeah. right? Uh, and, and have like one of those conversations. Yeah. A future podcast. Uh, a future one, yeah. So just keep listening, right? Um, but I think a, a question I have, especially as this relates to, and, and this is a, a topic that's becoming more talked about and probably needs to be more talked about, but it's still a very sensitive topic is, is depression as it leads to suicide. Right. And how we even kind of react or discuss the reality of suicide in these understandings that sometimes when we talk about like the brain and being predisposed and having these kind of issues, suicide is an unfortunate reality that happens alongside these, like because of what's going on in the brain. So maybe if you can walk us through some of that too. Yeah. So, so I, I want to, um, reiterate, I'm not a clinician. I'm not a counselor. Um, so a lot of this is just my opinion. Information only. This is, this is just my opinion. Um, my, my PhD is in neuroscience, but as you know, the brain is a very huge, um, uh, area of information and I have a very, very specific area of expertise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so a lot of this is, are just things I've thought about and just kind of my, my opinion on that. But but for me, the issue of suicide is um, a, a, a person who commits suicide has a sickness. Yeah. A, a person with a healthy brain will never get to the point where s- killing themselves is, 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 is the answer or the option, right. I think. Um, so if you have a healthy brain, you'll never understand why someone did that. You can always find reasons why they shouldn't have. You could have done this. You could have done that. You could have done that. Why? You know, they took the easy way out. They did this. Um, But we can't understand that that person was sick. And that was so so a non-sick person would never come to that conclusion. So it's hard to understand why someone else would. Um, So I, I believe I personally believe that that suicide is is a symptom of a sickness. It is yeah. one of the symptoms, just like there are symptoms of cancer, and sometimes that's death. Um, it is it is not uh, the desired outcome. It is not yeah. what should be promoted. It should not be encouraged. What should be encouraged is seek the best treatment that you can. Um, yeah. But sometimes treatment fails. Yeah. And, yeah. and death occurs. Again, these are just my personal opinions and things I think about often. Um, but that, that yeah, that's kind of where I stand. I'm not asking anyone else to stand with me in that. Right, but right. Uh, but yeah. I think I think it's, it, you know, it's, a, it's an important thing to, to ponder, especially how yeah. the brain relates to those issues. Because, again, like you said, and I think this is, is key, uh, that sometimes it's just like I don't understand, right? Right. Like I, I, people in my life who have... Um, unfortunately had that experience, right? right? Whether it's friends who have had family members or actually just friends themselves who have, um, died by suicide. Like you you think about it and you do that, that exact, exact thing that you said that 
that, oh, if you just would have done this, right. or we keep wanting to ask that question, why did you, Yeah. why would they have, or any of right. those questions, because our minds quite literally can't comprehend right. the reality that they were in. We have, we have different synapses firing with different amounts of neurotransmitter and we cannot for, this is a really simplistic view of it, but we, we can't form those thoughts. Yeah. I, you know, with a healthy brain, you can't get to that place. Um, so it, so it's again, just hard to understand, but I hope with the knowledge that we can't understand it comes compassion. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the plea for our listeners. So if you're tuning in, um, listen to Dr. Franklin, right? She's not a clinician. She's not an MD, but she I'm is not even an expert, an expert, <laughs> but she's, you know, she's given us the advice that seek help. So if you need somebody to talk to, please get some professional help. Uh, if you know somebody, uh, be compassionate, understand where they're coming from. Don't just simply state and say, Hey, let's pray. Let's go to this prayer vigil. Let's just get this anointing oil. Um, mental illness is real. Um, and their synapse and their transmitters are not functioning and firing correctly. And so that's where the compassion and the love of Jesus comes in. So for our listeners, again, compassion, the road to compassion. Yeah, I also do want to to mention uh, that there is hope. I, I do talk about there being sickness and it is a sickness yeah, and yeah. there is a physiological problem, but there are remedies to that, just like there are remedies to other physiological issues like a cold or, you know, it might not be simple and it might not be easy, but I do want to offer hope that, that there, there are treatments for sickness just, and and that includes sickness in in the brain as well. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I don't want to give the impression that, oh my gosh, my brain is sick. I should just, that just makes it even worse. I just, I I don't want to give a reason for more negative Right. Uh, you know, in our home, um, anytime we have an emotional day, here normally one of the remedies that we use is Dairy Queen, yeah. um, a yeah. small Reese's peanut butter cup, yeah. blizzard, extra stuff. That'll cause a little dopamine, a reward, yes. your reward, activating your reward yes. system. Yeah. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And, and in some sense, if you aren't going through those things, to have that sympathy and compassion to right. recognize that other people may not be able to control it. Right. 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 And actually encourage others to seek help as we would if we have a physical illness in terms of, you know, a heart issue or a gut issue or another kind of issue to be more sympathetic, to actually just stop saying like, oh, you should just do X, Y, and Z and everything will be okay. But to actually say, hey, you know what, maybe, maybe something needs to be checked further. Maybe we need to actually go see what's going on and Maybe even encourage someone by saying, like, you'll go with them. Right. That, that yeah. You'll actually kind of say, I think, like you said before, if we keep it stigmatized, we're only making or only kind of encouraging the reality that people shouldn't go. Yeah. But if we take that stigma away and we stop looking at it as if it's some like, oh, you are extra sick. Yeah. If it's your mind that's sick. But if it's right. just the fact that you have a broken arm. Well, yeah, go to the doctor. You've got a broken arm. But if you got this thing over here, uh, that's really bad. Well, no, let's stop kind of looking at them as different things, but actually recognizing that they are on some level, like you said, physiological things that our our physical body is going through. And let's encourage people to actually say, Hey, let's go get help. I actually encourage everyone to go to counseling. Uh, just like everyone goes and gets their yearly physical and checks, checks on everything. It's, I, I, uh, uh, counsel, not counsel. I advise a lot of the the pre med students who are going to med school um, after they leave Southeastern, and I encourage all of them to seek counseling here at Southeastern 
uh, to get in the habit of talking to someone before things get stressful and, yeah, and out good. of hand. And so just like uh, everybody goes for their yearly physical, it's it's okay if you're healthy to go get a checkup and talk and talk through things right. and, and and go to counseling. And, and some of us do this uh, informally and don't even realize it when we're talking with our friends and we're, we're venting and we're kind of processing things. And um, so getting, getting mental health checkups uh, is, is also totally okay, even if you're not in a depressive state or in a manic yeah. state or, uh, getting, getting checkups are, are a good thing. I, I love that too. Cause I mean, I think about myself, I go to get my early checkup and then I'm like showing the doctor, like, you see this spot, is that okay? Like you see yeah. over here is like, is that fine? Is this the way this should be working? Like right. I'll ask a thousand questions about yeah. my, my, my body in terms of kind of like, you know, is this spot and is this look, oh, is this look yeah. weird? Like, um, because I'm curious, I want to make sure that I'm being healthy. Right. Yet sometimes we won't do that in terms of our mental health. We won't yeah. say, I'm having these thoughts. Is this okay? Is this okay? Is, is this, this normal? Yeah. Or should I actually go like right. seek help? Yeah. Like actually, and I think if we would just even ask those questions more right. often, like we might be more willing to go like, no, things are not okay. Let's right. go get help. Right. Yeah. And so I know Dr. Franklin is an avid runner. I am an avid runner. Uh, yeah, so share a year into it. A, a year, year into, into it. it. Share a little bit about that, and then how can our listeners connect with you on your yeah. social media platforms, maybe, yeah. or so, some of your research? So I actually, uh, I have not shared this publicly with many people. So I'll, I, I, I feel like this is a good Ooh, avenue to do it. Yeah, this is fun. I'm uh, excited. You mentioned running, um, but I actually started running. Um, I had my my second son. I have two little boys. Silas is four and Elijah is two. And I had a really um, rough first year after my my um, second son. And looking back, I can recognize that I was going through postpartum depression. Um, I didn't recognize it while I was in it. Mm. Um, I I can look back and see myself and remember myself saying saying out loud to others, I feel like I'm drowning. I feel, I feel overwhelmed. I, I feel like I can't breathe. I, I just feel like I'm just buried in, in, uh, yeah. in stress and there's just, there's no end to it. And, um, I, I needed help, uh, but I didn't know I needed help. Um, but what happened was I, uh, actually made a deal with one of my students that if they, I knew I needed to, to do something. And so I made a deal with one of my students that if they studied really hard for the MCAT, which is the entrance exam for medical school, and if they got a certain score, that I would run um, a half marathon. So uh, I did not do it with the idea of, oh, I'm depressed. I should probably start exercising and it, it will help me. I did it as a, she's a runner. I want to encourage her to study. So I'm I'm going to I'll do a half marathon if she, yeah. if she does this. So I, she, of course, uh, made the score. She's in medical school now. Um, and so last August I started training for a half marathon. And what I realized quickly was, uh, that it benefited my personal life completely. I did it just to check a box. Like I told her I'd run a half marathon. I'm going to run a half marathon. But as I started training, I realized that, uh, it was a form of self care. It yeah. was, I was able to actually, I was taking care of myself physically, but more than that, because uh, I didn't really lose weight. I didn't, there, there were physical benefits, but more than that, I actually started taking time for myself for the first time since my son had been mm. born. So I was at three times a week. I was, you know, getting an hour to two hours while I was running. And that was a form of self-care, taking, taking care of 
myself, that it's, it's a space where my students don't need me. My, my husband takes care of the kids and he's very supportive. So my kids don't need me. My Steven doesn't need me. And I get to just focus on me for, for two hours on Saturday, every Saturday while I go for my run. So I, two hours. Well, some runs. (laughs) So I, so I, those are the long runs. So I, I realized what started off was a way as a way to just motivate a student and, and, and form a bond with a student turned into a life changing event that actually kind of helped me come out of that postpartum depression. So I've continued running. I, I, it's now, uh, so I started last August, this is September. So it's 13 months. I've run, um, three half marathon races, couple five Ks, and I'm currently training for a 48 mile challenge in January. Ooh, nope. Yeah. So uh-uh. it's a, it's actually the dopey challenge at Disney. So I'll be running a 5k on Thursday, a 10k on Friday, a half marathon on Saturday and a full marathon on Sunday. So, so I Ooh, went from never God running. Speed. Yes. Yeah. But, but the, the point of that, the goal of that is, is not the running, it's the self-care aspect. So because my life was so changed by that, um, we've actually started a club in our, our college called the, um, it's called fit finding it together. And we're actually encouraging self-care in our students yeah. um, uh, and trying to find- They allow segues. I'm, hey, I'm segues. a beast on the segue. <laughs> some, some allow strollers. So I could maybe push you in a stroller. Hey, for, let's The go. Disney yes. ones do not, but I I'll bet we could find one. Six I've got a, one, tons of I've, fun on the stroller. Let's I've got go. a nice big Bob double stroller that I think let's you would go. fit in. Yeah. As long as I get Mott's um, snacks, fruit snacks. Yes. Yes. We'll we'll work out some, some fruit snacks and some, some Gatorade. Maybe we'll see. You'll, you'll do box. all the uh, all the eating while she's doing all the yeah. Running. You'll do the fueling. Right. You'll yeah. fuel, yes. and I'll yes. push you. Yeah. Yes. What I love about that is the fact that uh, I mean I don't love it, but I, I what I love about the story is the reality that like it's something that you didn't even know. Like you right. expressed, like you didn't even know you were going through it. And I think so many of our listeners actually need to hear that. And yeah. a lot of people just need to hear that that it's not like even even something that you can just say, oh yeah, I'm going through this. Right. Like sometimes you yeah. don't even know it. You can't even name it for yourself that you're right. going through something. And uh, there are these things, you know, yeah. th- this way, these ways of getting healthy that need to be encouraged. Yeah. I, I, I don't know where I would be at right now had I not by chance made that deal and started running. And I, I don't know. I might still be in it. I, yeah. Hopefully I would have sought help in other, but, but I don't know. Um, fortunately, I, randomly made a deal with a student to, to run. And it was a life changing decision for me. Um, but I, I didn't go into it thinking I'm going to do this because I'm depressed and it's right. going to help me. It, right. It, right. I can just look back, uh, retroactively and see that it truly was. Yeah. And now I, now I love it. It's so ad- addictive. You also get that big, uh, uh, squirt of dopamine on your brain, your reward system when you cross the finish line and get the medal. And so I get a big, uh, heaping of pain when I yeah. do it. So. No, it's great. It's a lot of fun. Aaron did the LA marathon last Ooh. year or in the spring? Uh, in the spring. Yeah. And that's the last time I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. So you're I'm a runner. Done. You don't, you don't get, you don't, you're done. One oh, no, and done. I, I, I do like running, I, but marathons, that's just not my, yeah. I, to, my plan is to do two marathons and then I'm done. Yeah. I'm doing one with Dopey. Um, but that will be after I have already run 
you know, over 20 miles in the previous yeah. three days. So I want to do one more just to see how fast I can do it. And then I will go back to half marathons. That's it. I, I had my one, here's, here's my yeah. time I need to beat. And if I can I'm do done. this, I'm yeah. done. And I beat it by a few minutes and I said, eh, we're good. Yeah. That's- Maybe triathlons will be my next. Let's go. Yeah, those are fun. Those are very fun. Those are very fun. So yeah, how can our listeners, uh, not to segue to use that word again, but how can, uh, yeah. how can our listeners connect with you, find your research? Uh, yeah. So I'm on the, uh, South Eastern website in the College of Natural and Health Sciences. Yeah. I'd love for people to reach out. I also really, uh, I tell my students, I love sports just as much as I love the brain. So if you want to email me and talk about football, we can do that too. So yeah, it doesn't have to be. She's a Cardinals fan. Huge St. Louis Cardinals fan. We lost in 19 innings last night to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yes, Yes, 19. Our magic number is three right now. I really needed us to win that game, but it's okay. We've clinched a a playoff spot, but I'd really like Mm. to win the division. I can't wait to see you guys. Maybe in the World Series. I don't know. We'll see. Let's it go looks, Yankees. Yeah, um, good. I want to say Gosh, let's go I sometimes someone, I, but I don't watch baseball. Sometimes so. I forget uh, Gomez is a Yankees fan, and I, I can't believe we're friends, but I guess. It's all right. Most people and say. And I live in St. Louis for 10 months. Yes, That's yes. why we're friends. I look past his faults. Yeah. <laughs> 10 months in St. Louis. I live yeah. So We appreciate having you on. Thanks so much Absolutely. for taking the time to have this conversation with us, and uh, we'll talk to you guys yeah, soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah.